Welcome into the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I am your host. I'm joined, as always, by Mike Taglier. You can find us on Twitter at KyleYNFL and at Mike Taglier NFL. Please join me in thanking the sponsor of today's podcast, Grammarly. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com slash FantasyPros to get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. Tags, I had the most adulting thing ever the other night. Uh, on Valentine's Day, my wife and I sat in our bed while our 18-month-old wouldn't go to sleep in the other room, naturally, and we did our taxes, and it was terrible. It sounds terrible. I mean, Bobby told me a story about doing taxes the other day, and uh, I send all my stuff. I get all my stuff together. I send it to an accountant. I don't do that crap on my own. Uh, but yeah, Valentine's Day, as you get older, you kind of like figure out the, the do's and don'ts, and you do not go out to a restaurant that day. So I took my wife out to see Richard Marks live, uh, an acoustic show. And um, after that, like we did like a nice Italian dinner. We did that like on Sunday so that I didn't have to do the, the Valentine's Day crowds or anything. So it was it was a nice Valentine's Day for me. Yeah, once you have uh, once you have kids trying to find a sitter too, uh, makes it a whole lot more difficult too. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> that also factors into everything. <laughs> All right, well, enough about that. Uh, we have an awesome guest here with us today. It's Matt Waldman of Football Guys and the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Waldman. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, what I wanted to do for today's episode is to dive into some of these players that are going to be at the NFL Combine. We're just going to look at running back and quarterback for today, but I wanted to go around the room here and point out some players that we're excited to watch at the Combine. Uh, so, But before we do that, Tags, what is the importance of the Combine and why why should people be paying attention to it? I think it's different for every position. And this is one thing that I kind of look into. Like, the, this, like, there's a lot of people that love metrics and they love getting into the three cone drill and all that stuff, where it's like, I want to see these players amongst the best of the best. Like, where, you know, when people are in college, they talk about stats. That stuff can vary depending on where you're playing, the competition you're playing against. I love seeing these guys side by side. You could see players who stand out. Like, it, I'm sure we all played sports as kids, right? And we, we grew up, and when you play in an all star game, that's when you saw the best of the best. But there were always those kids that just stood out that you just knew they were better than everybody else I'm looking for people to do that and I think it like a quarterback you don't want to see someone flop it is rare to see someone stand out because we see a lot of things but like you know what we certain we see certain quarterbacks at the combine and they kind of falter under pressure that's the stuff I look at uh the, the confidence that you see exuded through some of these wide receivers going through the gauntlet drills you just look you look for the guys that have there's something about them that's just different you know yeah yeah, completely. Well, shifting our focus specifically to the running back position, Matt, I wanted to ask you this. What are some of the like drills and the workouts that we should be watching when it comes to the running back position specifically? I think the most important drills are going to be the 20 shuttle and the three cone drill, really. And you can look at many of the other drills and they can factor in because just to tag along with what Mike had to say, really, the combine is a different has different importance for every player, because every player is a puzzle that's a different puzzle. They're not some just automaton in a, in a factory and some sort of template in terms of how you go about doing things. Because an Alvin Kamara is much different than, say, an Austin Eckler or a Derrick Henry. They all have different values for them. So, But one thing that two things that are very much in common with all those players is that they have short area quickness and they have good acceleration. And you want to see the ability to also practice that 
with good footwork, even though the footwork patterns there aren't nearly as indicative of what you're going to see between the tackles. But those are two areas that have much more importance than just running straight line 40 yards, um, because really an explosive play in the NFL is about 8 to 12 yards, as opposed to being 40 yards. If you can get around in that short area space and do well in terms of quickness there, you have a good baseline for being a running back in the NFL. A lot of people are going to you know, drum up the 40-yard dash, right? Um, but with the running back position, like you mentioned, the likelihood that they're going to be breaking off these plays for 50-plus yards is very, very minimal in the NFL. It's going to be those 8 to 12 yards. And so the value that you're placing in on the running back position for acceleration and short area quickness is is imperative and it's really really important so i'm glad that you mentioned that matt um well let's let's dive right in to some of these players that each of us are looking forward to watching so tags i'm going to send it to you first and then we'll have matt go and just go around the room here we'll do a couple players each tags who do you have up first one of the players i'm watching that i seem to be higher than than most people is eno benjamin uh 510 210 pounds he's a very he's a downhill guy he always falls forward i think nfl coaches are going to love him but as matt was talking about there are some metrics that they look at heavier than others like we don't want to see him get into the 46 territory with the 40 yard dash because that will drown his draft stock and in the end what we look for at the running back position when people spend equity on running backs they're going to play them because we know it's a replaceable position for the most part uh so you know guys like eno benjamin because the guys at the top, I think we know they're going to be there. It's more about preference and the offense that their coach believes they fit. But I'm curious to how you guys feel about Eno Benjamin and how his 40-yard dash. I know you just talked about the fact that the 40 might be a little bit overrated. But what are you guys looking to see out of him? Matt, are you high on Eno Benjamin? Am I am I seeing something that, I'm, that you're not? Is there something that you're looking forward to seeing with him at the Combine? Well, he's a high-effort player. He certainly catches the ball well. And he has, he has pretty good contact balance and footwork. But... In the end, you know, he's a player that I don't see as a high round guy. I don't see him as a first day guy. I may not even see him as a second day guy at this point. Um, he certainly can function well in the NFL and be a contributor and, and maybe even start for a team. Because as we've seen with running back play, you don't have to be a, a, a first day or second day guy to, to be able to perform well enough to, to earn starter production. But I, I think that, you know, if he runs a 4-6, I don't think that's going to be as big of a deal for him as if he has slow 20 or slow three cone drill, other than the fact, unless you're looking at him specifically as a first round guy, because the 40 is really where that shows up is, is it, does he have that extra breakaway speed that, that gives us that extra bullet point that we can cover our assets as a, you know, a risk management oriented organization, um, which most NFL teams are. And then they can say, yes, he has that stamp of approval for the first round. So, you know, for Eno Benjamin, certainly that. The guy I'm looking at is J.K. Dobbins. And it's not because of his 40 time. It's not because I don't think he's skilled. I think he's a, a wonderful football player. I just actually want to see how big he actually is. Because he's listed at 5'10", 217. I want to see if he, he comes in at that size. If he is actually that big of a player. Because if he comes in at, say, he's somehow... The way like Keyshawn Vaughn is an example out of Vanderbilt who was five listed as like 5'11", 215, and he showed up at the Senior Bowl. He's 5'11", 195. So a guy like Dobbins, if he shows up at, you know, 200, 205, or even lower than that, that could be a, a major um, question mark about his game that people didn't anticipate. 
Well, I didn't realize Vaughn came in such so low at the senior bowl. Because I had, I had him down at 218 is what he was listed. Yeah, it's a big difference. And and for those who aren't aware, <laughs> schools tend to over-exaggerate their, uh, their player sizes. So that's one of the things when, when Matt's mentioning, you know, looking forward to seeing what they come in at uh, because the, the difference of someone playing at 218 versus you know 195 or 200 at the running back position that's a big difference when it comes to your playing weight and the explosion that you can bring the explosiveness the acceleration the burst those different types of things a 195 back is going to be much tend to be much more explosive than a 215 back. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And and Keyshawn Vaughn is actually one one of the guys that I'm looking forward to watching. I think he's one of the more underrated backs in this class. Now, yeah, the the size is going to be a concern there. You know, I would love to see him. I would have loved to see him at you know two two fifteen two eighteen whatever it was. Um, so for me, it's it's going to be that size. But then also, does he have the speed and burst to separate himself and rise up in this class? Right now, I think he's a borderline day two day three guy. And so for him to come to the combine and is he going to run well is he going to run in the four fours is he going to run in the low four fives that's one of the things that i'm looking at with Keyshawn Vaughn because i do think that he's an underrated back in this class and he's someone who i i really like i don't know how i feel about him he was someone that was tough to tackle but knowing that that weight shift that's a big thing i felt like he was a somewhat of a stiff runner i kind of felt like he was almost up and down like a like latavius murray but with less speed uh more of a straight line runner i wasn't huge on Keyshawn Vaughn but one player in terms of metrics, like what we're going to be looking on measurables, like Jonathan Taylor, he's someone that he definitely has a chance to be maybe the first running back off the board. I have him as the second running back right now, uh, but he's I don't think he's going to be off the charts. I don't think he's going to test off the charts athletically, but I don't think that that stuff always shows up, you know, in those numbers. Matt, are there numbers that you're worried about with Jonathan Taylor? Because he's more of those guys that relies on his instincts. He has excellent vision, excellent patience, but that stuff's not going to really show up in the combine, is it? No, and that's why the combine has to be taken with as a layer in this process. Um, with Taylor, certainly, you know, the the, the speed's going to be the interesting thing with him because that, again, like with we mentioned with Eno Benjamin, it's the difference between are we talking about him as a first-round pick and an early fantasy pick, or are we talking about him as a second- or third-round fantasy pick and a, and a, and a day-two or um, day-three player, which I doubt he'll fall anywhere further than day-two. You know, this is a guy who ran track in high school, and I think he ran like a 10-5 in the, in the 100 meters. So there'll be a good expectation for him to run in the 4-4s. And I don't think there's really a lot of question about him in that, in that regard. A guy who there may be questions about who's also near that top of the board or could get there is Utah Zach Moss, who's a 5'10", 222-pound guy who's very fluid, He's got excellent feet. He can catch, and he is an extremely powerful back. Um, you know, and he reminds me, you know, in a way of Ricky Williams without the speed. Um, you know, think about maybe an older Ricky Williams with the Ravens when he could still play, but you weren't expecting him to do as well as he did. Um, Zach Moss is probably somewhere between. The Ricky Williams of old and the and you know early Ricky Williams. He's somewhere in that range in terms of speed. And I'm looking forward to seeing that at the combine because if he puts on a nice show in terms of acceleration, change of direction, and speed, in terms of how quick and fast he is, he could elevate his draft stock by a round. If he doesn't, or if he performs poorly in that, the way he plays will mitigate it some of the slide somewhat. 
but um, he'll probably drop around at least um, as a result of that. So he's another guy I'm watching closely. I, I love that one. Yates, I, I'd love to hear where you're at on Moss because he's someone that I, he was like a backup where it's like I had a, a couple guys and I was like there was a backup in case you guys use the same guy. Zach Moss was someone I was going to bring up because he moves extremely well if he's 222. I mean, like he, he was someone that didn't look like he weighed over 220 pounds to me. But if he is, he moves extremely well for that size. Uh, where are you at on Moss? Yeah, so I have Moss rated rated lower because I see I see great intangibles, I see great vision, I see great contact balance, and of course Matt mentioned you know he's an extremely powerful runner. There are some <laughs> cutups of him on tape where he just literally is delivering shots to the safety who's coming into the hole. I, I mean, he invites contact. Um, for me, I saw a limited athlete, and so as we're talking about you know uh, again we're talking about the forty yard dash as part of the puzzle, but like I would expect Moss to finish somewhere in the four sixes, and so if if he comes out and he runs in the low four fives, I'm gonna have to reevaluate that. And I'm going to have to say, okay, I may have missed something on tape. I'm going to go back and look at it again to see if there's something that I'm just missing. With Moss, we also have to keep in mind he has an extensive injury history. And so that is going to scare some teams for this powerful back who who kind of wins in that fashion, right? As we talk about, there are different types of running backs. You're going to have more fluid, elusive running backs, but then you're also going to have these guys who can punch it in from the two-yard line. So Moss is one of those players for me, and I think if he does have that extensive injury history that's going to scare off teams. I think that's going to lower his draft stock. Matt, where do you have him projected right now as far as like a, a you know, a draft pick? Well, I do that for the rookie scouting portfolio. You know, this is a probably the most comprehensive look at skill position players available in the public market. So uh, that'll be ready April 1st. I want to give a shout out to your YouTube channel too. Like I, I'll, I'll watch your YouTube breakdowns. The RSP that Matt does on YouTube, that's phenomenal as well. Like I've watched those and, and Matt does a great job breaking down the little things that a lot of people might miss. Yeah, and I think with Moss for me, and I don't really look at round because um, I really don't care about that. It's great for fan, you know, for fantasy. It's important because draft capital is not a predictor of talent. Um, I will argue that to my dying day, um, but it is a predictor of opportunity and predictor of how much a team's going to invest in them and give them the benefit of the doubt. How long they'll give them the benefit of the doubt. So the earlier you're drafted, the more they'll let you screw up. That's basically the best way that I'll put it. And the later you're drafted, the less opportunity they'll give you to screw up and the better you're going to have to do to overcome that opportunity. It's like one person starting in the mail room who's smarter than the guy who got the MBA, but the MBA guy is going to get the front office and he's going to get to interact with all the executive staff and they're going to let him screw up more often than they would let the mail room guy who just got elevated into, you know, into the bullpen. That's you know, let's say so, so with Zach Moss, you know, I think he's a guy that could be a day two player. He has that potential. You know, the, the, the things that oftentimes people will say are intangibles are actually things that you, you look at and you document, you know, vision. If you look at it and break it down in a certain way in terms of decision making, how you process footwork, how you read blocking schemes and how you define those types of things, it's very high. And you can look and, doc, you know, really kind of quantify these types of things at a level where you start to look at his game and realize that high-end speed isn't as important but again it's going to come down to the quickness and change of direction quickness and acceleration because while he has good footwork he's going to have to be to show off that quickness for teams to, to believe in it you know whereas a guy like it's kind of like a guy like Devin Singletary who I would classify as short slow not very fast 
not very quick, but has incredible decision-making spot, understands how to see and execute in terms of different blocking schemes. And he can do it quick enough in terms of recognizing it so that his footwork, which is very dynamic in terms of polish and refinement, is something that can make him look quicker and faster than he really is. So Zach Moss is kind of in the same area, except for the fact that he's a lot more physical than Devin Singletary. Thank you again to Grammarly for supporting the Fantasy Pros podcast. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter, whether at school, work, or when you're on the go. Grammarly's free version can be downloaded by anyone on their computer and phone and helps review critical spelling and grammar. Grammarly Premium Service gives you more advanced help by looking also at advanced punctuation, structure, style, vocabulary, conciseness, tone, and readability for different occasions. This is the perfect tool you need when composing something as critical as a resume. I had a real problem with sentence structure and being too passive with my word choice, but Grammarly Premium helped me correct that in no time. My sentence structure is now better than it's ever been, and I'm also much more succinct. Plus, its ability to help me write in a more concise manner while maintaining or even improving the readability of my work is another one of the things that I love about Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash FantasyPros to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash FantasyPros for 20% off your Grammarly Premium account. My final running back here, it, I want to mention him just because we haven't brought him up yet, but that's DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Uh, he is, I think, the consensus across the board RB1. As you look at guys in the industry, he's my RB1. And so he's my favorite back in this class. My only question with him is going to be his long speed. And where he's not going to break off, or you didn't see him break off uh, many of these longer runs like a Jonathan Taylor, like a J.K. Dobbins, um, and even Keyshawn Vaughn in some instances. So for me, I want to see DeAndre Swift. I think he's going to nail the the three cone. I think he's going to nail the short shuttle. So for me, I just want to see him do <laughs> run in the four fives with you know the 40-yard dash. I think he can run quicker than that. But that's one of the questions that I'm going to have with Swift. And I would just love to have that like box checked and for him to be able to solidify his draft stock there. Because I think if he comes out and he runs lower than a 4-6, we're going to be worrying about DeAndre Swift. And, you know, it's going to be kind of that conversation with Josh Jacobs or David Montgomery last year. Just how far are they going to fall um, when they run, you know, in those low 4-6s? Do you guys have uh, tags? Do you have specific thoughts on DeAndre Swift? I like Swift. I mean, I feel like he's just one of those guys that's a three-down role. He's built to handle it. He does everything well. I don't know if there's one thing I watch and I'm like, this guy is phenomenal at this, where I just feel like he's a great all-around back. I think Jonathan Taylor possesses better uh, patience when he approaches the line of scrimmage, a little bit smarter of a runner. And then, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you kind of brought him up because... I don't know if we're going to have Matt back on soon enough to talk about this again before the draft, but Clyde Edwards Hilaire is someone that I know that Yates and I have talked about it in our Slack chat and just like off air. I'm a huge fan. Like I've developed a man crush on this guy. I feel like, you know, so many people say that the running back position does not matter. I, I feel like this kid does matter. I feel like he is a change, a game changer. Now he's not, he's not a big running back. Uh, he's not built like DeAndre Swift who can handle those 20 touch roles. It's not to say Edwards Hilaire can't, but you know, how do you feel about these top tier running backs, Matt? Uh, do you feel that DeAndre Swift automatically, like he should be the number one running back off the board, provided he doesn't get in that 4-6 territory? How do you feel about Edwards Hilaire? Am I, I just feel like he's the best suited for today's NFL. He does everything well. He's slippery as hell. Uh, he, he would fit a spread offense, obviously, particularly well. Someone that use, utilizes him in the screen game, passing game. Uh, how do you feel about these running backs? Yeah, I think this is a good running back class. 
I do not have DeAndre Swift number one. I'll put that to you. Put it that way. Um, he may be close to my top five when it's all over with, but unlike most people, um, I don't have him in my top five of my backs right now. And if you remember, um, I worked at the University of Georgia. I graduated from the University of Georgia, and I was very high on Nick Chubb when most people were not, and uh, you know, and other and other players. Nick Chubb was my highest graded back just under Ezekiel Elliott and over Saquon Barkley. So, you know, it's, I'm not a Georgia fan, but per se, but I'm intimately familiar with a lot going on at that program. And I can say that I like DeAndre Swift. He reminds me of D'Angelo Williams, um, an excellent back. And if you put him in the right system, he could be the most productive of this group. And he certainly has a starter caliber grade for me, which is more important than where I have him ranked. But he's not going to have long speed. He's just not. He peters out after about 25, 30 yards. Now, that's that's okay because he can author 40, 50-yard gains with the certain with certain types of runs um, that you're going to often see from guys who, who break long runs who have four, six, four, seven times in the 40. Arian Foster did it all the time. Priest Holmes did it all the time. So, you know, the thing with Swift that I think is going to be important for him is that he does show the short area quickness, the strength. The strength is going to be a big deal with him too because I have questions about his ability um, in terms of tackle-breaking power. And, you know, again, where he's going to fit into a system is probably going to be more in a, in a more wide-open system. But at the same time, you know, you want to, when you start talking about the top of the draft, it's more about all the things that they can do. And there are some holes in his game um, that can be, you know, mitigated by system and it won't matter, but it depends on, you know, it's going to be about which team really likes him. And then with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I like him a lot. Reminds me a lot of Devonta Freeman in his prime. I think he's a very good receiver and I think that he'll, he'll perform well. And if he tests well, he could get vaulted up within the, you know, the range of the, the top three backs in this class because he has that kind of ability and he does he and Swift are both good receivers. I'd say Hilaire is a better route runner. Swift is a more natural pass catcher in terms of adjusting to the ball hand-eye coordination. And he's very good at being able to adjust his routes on the fly one-on-one and be able to find an open area. He's just not a great structured route runner in the way that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is. Yeah, absolutely. With with DeAndre Swift and Tags, you mentioned like there's there's nothing that he does particularly well it was an observation that i took away from watching 2018 tape versus his 2019 tape where in 2018 his ability to put his foot in the ground and change directions was i think one of the best i've ever seen watching his 2019 tape that seemed to like disappear and there was more of a focus for him to develop power to his game to be able to drive between the tackles um, to invite contact and so i'm curious if that was something that was intentional from him or because I really did not see his ability to the change direction, put his foot in the ground and just make people miss in the open field. I didn't see that much in 2019. And so that's a question that I have with DeAndre Swift is I don't think that ability just flat out disappeared. I don't think that he just doesn't have it anymore. It was just that he wasn't using it as much. So in with talking about DeAndre Swift, I think that is 
his calling card. That's something that he does extremely well. I just didn't see it much in 2019 tape. So I'm interested to see when we get him into the league, if that's going to come back. But yeah, with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, it reminds me a lot of Ray Rice. You're going to hear a lot of comparisons for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That seems to be going a lot around uh, Twitter. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is an extremely good running back. And this is just a really, really good running back class. Matt, I wanted to ask you this before we kind of put a bow on the running back discussion. What are your thoughts on the 2019 running back class versus this 2020? Uh, obviously, it's you know early before we're talking about landing spots or anything like that. But as far as an overall view, what are your thoughts between the two classes? I mean, I think that when you look at this class, it holds up um, reasonably well to that in terms of guys who can be potential impact players. It just depends if there's enough opportunities in the league for them to be able to carve that out. So I think the question's... Probably a better question is whether or not there's whether or not there's enough opportunities out there for running backs to be able to make an impact, as opposed to how many are capable of doing so. Because there are a number of guys, many who are later, who who stack up pretty darn well um, in terms of that. I mean, there's a guy on my board, you know, that I can't wait looking for at the combine. I think it's Scotty Phillips of Ole Miss, who if you like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire then you and you don't appreciate Scotty Phillips game, then you may be scouting by logo and helmet as opposed to actually watching what's on the tape. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, let's move on here and let's kind of just really quickly mention one or two players very, very briefly because we're running out of time here. So let's mention one or two players that are kind of down the board that many people might not know the names and especially in this context where it's still kind of early on in the draft process so people are still learning names our listeners are still learning names and so let's mention uh, one or two players that we're kind of really looking forward to that many people might not know about tags i'll go to you and then we'll send it over to matt uh, I mean, I think people are starting to learn the names as we get closer and closer. And you guys are going to be able to go deeper than I am on this one because I'm trying to get like at least the, the two guys all done, wrapped up. Anybody that has a chance to go there. Anthony McFarland is someone that I, I like as a, a Chris Thompson type running back where it's like maybe five to eight carries per game. Someone you utilize him in the screen game. But I think as Matt mentioned, it's going to be really difficult to find running backs down the board here because... I mean, doing the mock draft, going through that exercise, you could actually, you realize just how few teams have holes at running back. And then you start thinking about the guys like Jordan Howard, Lamar Miller, uh, Carlos Hyde, guys that are going to be free agents that they might get jobs and fill some of those spots. So a lot of these guys are going to be down the depth chart. So you're kind of just looking for someone to fill a role and maybe get a little opportunity. So Anthony McFarland is someone that might interest me in that aspect. Absolutely. Matt, what about for you? Yeah, a couple of guys I'll mention. I already mentioned Scotty Phillips, so that's my third guy. A little bonus there. Rico Dottle out of South Carolina. Um, this is a guy that really has the upper echelon physical traits and a lot of the technical traits to be an excellent running back in today's NFL. Very much in the mold, not the talent level, but in the mold of the Le'Veon Bell, Joe Mixon at six feet, 215. Great footwork, good receiver, just injuries have been a big issue and the team basically came out and said if he applied himself he could be a much better back which tells you he may not be a great worker and maybe the light needs to come on for him a little bit but he has the talent another guy that's at the combine um who's interesting to me is joshua kelly out of ucla very smart back very well put together um interested to see how athletic he truly is and you know in terms of how he plays you know, the high end of him could be, in terms of physical ability, could be more comparable in the neighborhood of Terrell Davis. The low end, if if it's not 
quite there. It's more like Chester Taylor, who was a 1,300-yard back when he started for the Minnesota Vikings before a certain guy named Adrian Peterson came to town. So, you know, Joshua Kelly's an interesting guy who has some variability in his draft stock. Yeah, Kelly's usage this year at UCLA was definitely interesting. And so, yeah, the combine is going to be a good a good test for him. Um, for me, I'll mention two names really quickly. Savan Ahmed out of Washington is one of my favorite backs in this class. Now, I like him in a certain role. He's uh, he's only he's listed at 5'11", 194. So he's not going to be this player who is going to be, you know, come in and be your three down back and punch it between the tackles but he could run in the low four fours maybe even the four threes and his footwork is amazing he's one of my favorite backs in this class and then another one that i'll mention is jj taylor out of arizona he is five foot six 185 pounds so we're talking about a uh, a third down back here kind of in the mold of a Tariq cohen i don't know if he's as explosive as Tariq Cohen and kind of that elusiveness, but he could fill a third down role for an NFL team here really, really well. All right, guys. Well, hey, let's move on. The combine for quarterbacks is is definitely different than other positions because the majority of the value in a prospect is is mental, right? It's between the ears. So, uh, you know, how efficiently are you able to diagnose defenses, change protections? But there are, of course, the athletic uh, requirements for the position. So I'm just going to turn this over to you to uh, maybe tags first and then Matt. What's the importance of the combine for the quarterback position and what should we be looking for when we're watching it next week? I mean, that they don't fall on their face. Uh, this is the, the quarterback's the most difficult one because there's no processing uh, required in this one. Uh, like we saw Hackenberg a couple of years ago, and anybody that watched the combine knows that he shouldn't have been drafted. Uh, but, you know, the Jets did what they did. That's the stuff that you don't want to see. You don't want to see you guys falter under pressure. Like someone like Justin Herbert, who I'm not particularly high on, he should do very well in this because he's good at throwing to a spot. Uh, his, arm, his arm strength is obviously there, but it's more about in between the ears. Uh, can he do anything when, like, when, when things fall apart, when they're not scripted? Uh, how do things go? And you're not going to see that stuff throughout the combine. So it's almost just like quarterbacks, you just don't want to see them fall apart. That's basically what it comes down. It's 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 someone maybe like Jalen Hurts. He's someone that's probably going to there. Someone's going to care about his 40 time and all that. Uh, he's a bigger guy, but he's considered mobile. Obviously going to run the ball a little bit. Jordan Love falls into that conversation. But I don't. I don't know if there's much to take away from quarterbacks in terms of some, can someone help their stock so much outside of like a mobile quarterback running a fast 40 time. I could be wrong on that. I mean, Matt, you've been following the combine, obviously, for a long time. This is your bread and butter. Is there anything about the quarterback position that you feel is more important than others and a certain player that falls into that category? In terms of workouts, no. Basically, you're looking at interviews and medicals, which we don't see and we're only going to hear a very little about. Those are the most important things about the combine. Anyhow, um, it's even more important um, in a position like quarterback, which is such an integrative position into the whole of what your offense is doing. Um, the guys that it helps out the most on the field are going to be your lesser known guys where maybe they catch the eye of scouts in terms of when they're throwing the footballs to receivers in certain types of drills. And, and you get a chance to kind of see you know, how that, how that player throws, but it's, it's really, you know, these are late round guys who have really, there's no expectation of them starting if even making the team. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well guys, that is all the time we have for today's show. We'll be back later on this week to discuss some of the wide receivers and tight ends. That'll be at the combine A reminder to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kyle Y NFL and at Mike Tagley air NFL. And a huge thank you to Matt Waldman for coming on today's show and make sure to follow him on Twitter at Matt Waldman for a lot of great content for Mike Tagley air and Matt Waldman. I'm Kyle Yates and we'll see you next time. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.